Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and welcome back. You know, the holidays are really nice, but it's also really nice to get back into the swing of things, and I really missed you guys, so thank you so much for being here. And those of you that are new, I'm Audra, and I'm your host of the Women in the Arena podcast. And this is literally a celebration, and we are celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. And we've made it to season two. That is super exciting, and we have so many incredible women that I cannot wait to introduce you to. So if you're ready, I am really ready. So let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I have a lovely lady joining me. Her name is Adrienne Barr, and she is the best-selling author of the children's book, Dancing with Butterflies, Discovering Mindfulness Through Breathing. She is a proud single mother, as well as a full-time human resources professional that has dedicated to helping people work through anxiety and stress. It is my pleasure and my honor to welcome Adrienne Barr. Adrian, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Hi, Audra. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be talking with you today. Well, I'm so happy that you are here uh, because you have a very particular, particularly important topic, especially right now, because, you know, 2020 has been nothing but anxiety and stress. Yes, <laughs> yes it has, especially with all things COVID and you know, the children, you know, trying to navigate what school looks like and those big changes. And then, of course, you know, adults, too, trying to navigate those changes. Yes, anxiety is definitely a hot topic issue right now. Yeah, it's at an all-time high. And and that's what we're here to discuss today. But before we get into that topic, I know that we'd all like to know a little bit more about you. So would you let us get to know you a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I am the oldest child of um, my two parents who actually met in uh, the Army, so they both served. Um, so I'm a, I'm, I'm a former Army rat. <laughs> so <to speak. laughs> um, and, you know, when my mom retired, we moved down to North Carolina. Um, so I'm a North Carolinian. Um, I graduated from Johnson C. Smith with a um, bachelor's in communications with a minor in telecommunications. Um, I often joke that, you know, my daughter got her degree with me, um, because I actually had her, um, the spring of my senior year. And, you know, I'm still very proud to say that I, you know, graduated with granted a a four month old baby on my hip, but, you know, it was still, you know, incredible to see that. Um, you're amazing. Yeah. That's not, that's not easy. You went to school full time and you were pregnant and gave birth and graduated. So good on you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. College is expensive. And I was like, "Eh, I don't want to waste. I don't want to use this as an opportunity to quit. Right. Because that's not the answer. And what 
type of example would I be to my daughter if, you know, I say, oh, okay, well, I almost made it. No, um, I made it, um, you know, and I know that that's not everybody's um, situation or everybody's option, um, but I was definitely blessed with some incredible professors while I was at Johnson C. Smith who um, even let me bring my daughter to class, which was weird. And they're like, you know, hey, why, why, why did you come without her? You know, having conversations like that. But um, my major also allowed me that type of, you know, that atmosphere um, because I was minoring in film. So my senior year, I was doing a lot of labs where I was um, editing film and things of that nature. So it was a much more less structured um, environment for most of my classes. So it worked out. Well, I'm glad that they were so open to that because that's unusual, but it's refreshing because that, that sets you up for success as well as having a good idea of what you might encounter in the world. Uh, so today we're to we're here to discuss anxiety and stress. But you have a really unique perspective on it that you wrote this beautiful book called Dancing with Butterflies. So tell us about the book and what inspired you to read this or excuse me write this. Yeah, absolutely. So Dancing with Butterflies, it's an early um, reader book. So it's, you know, preferable for kids who are, you know, ages four through eight um, or kids who really love illustrations because the illustrations are gorgeous. Um, But the main character, um, she obviously is a dancer um, and her dream is to, um, you know, perform on stage and, you know, dance beautifully and, you know, all of that wonderful stuff. Um, So she actually gets the opportunity um, to do that. Her dance teacher announces that they're having a recital um, and she notices that she's starting to have these feelings of nervousness and she's not exactly sure what it is. Right. Um, So, you know, just, you know, like children and adults, we all do this when we don't understand where something's coming from. Sometimes our first reaction is to ignore it where we're thinking that, you know, okay, well, this feeling is going to pass by. Unfortunately for her, it does not. So it does come back up. Um, And then she finally has the conversation with her mother and says, hey, you know, I'm having this feeling. And her mother lets her know, hey, you know, it sounds like you're having the butterflies. Right. So it starts the conversation for her mother to teach her breathing techniques. Um, That way she can breathe through her anxiety, get very clear head, get in tune with her body. Um, That way she can, you know, dance her way on the big stage for, you know, her grand moment. So that is the name dancing with butterflies. So it's that's, which is beautiful uh, because it is teaching children how to manage stress, how to deal with stress. And that is probably more critical now than ever because we've put our poor kids through a lot this year. Yes, exactly. I know my daughter firsthand, um, especially when the pandemic first hit, you know, she really wasn't as engaged as she used to be. Um, And then, of course, me being the mother that I am, I started doing some research. And of course, when children, they start distancing themselves, when they start changing behaviors, when they start sleeping a little bit more, those are usually those cues that, you know, something's going on emotionally or mentally. So, you know, that was her signs of anxiety. So it took some working through to um, to kind of get her out of that, to shake some stuff up, open up the blinds, because vitamin D is probably one of the best medicines that you can ever have. Um, just going out there, getting some sunshine and just spending more time together. That's, you know, really what helped bring her out of it. Well, you in your book, through the book, I should say, discuss techniques on how to manage stress, handle stress. So what what are those techniques that 
you've now broken down for children to be able to digest. So what are those things that you have been teaching them? Absolutely. So the book specifically highlights breathing. So, you know, being in tune with your breath and just, you know, counting to four, breathing in slowly, and then exhale, exhaling, you know, to the count of four as well. And doing that repetitively, that helps you get in tune with your body. And that helps to actually, you know, calm the body down. So once we get centered, that, you know, is helpful. Breathing is also um, a huge, you know, thing that you need to do when you are in meditation. You have to be in control of your breath, listen to your breath, be in tune with it, and just, you know, have that moment in stillness so you can recalibrate for sorts just to clear and then you can just go forth and be clear-minded. Um, another thing that is also highlighted is that we may not talk about is dance. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who use dance um, as a form of therapy to, you know, deal with any anxieties, deal with any stresses. So that's a beautiful way as well. And then of course, community, you know, so talking to, you know, your closest friend, talking to your parent, you know, whomever about what's going on, as opposed to bottling it up inside. Um, all of those things are highlighted in the book, um, you know, just to show people that, hey, you know, there's more than one right way to be able to, you know, manage your anxiety. Well, let's start with the first one of breathing and, you know, managing your breath. I've heard this a lot and I've read about it, but the, the truth is, is that I really don't quite understand why controlling your breath is so important. And, and like I said, I've read about it a lot, but I still don't quite understand that. So can you help me understand why breathing and, and being in tune with your breath is so important, both psychologically and physically? Absolutely. So if you think about who you are when you're stressed and if you're really paying attention to your body, right? Your shoulders get all tense. Everything pretty much tenses up. You might lock up in your jaw. And if you're paying close enough attention, you'll notice that your breathing pattern changes. Your breath actually gets a lot shorter. So when your breath gets shorter, that is actually, you know, reducing the amount of oxygen that's going to your brain. So that is like the full experience of what your body goes through when you're in a stressful situation. So when you're taking those deep breaths and they're intentional, you are using the full capacity of your lungs. You are allowing all of that oxygen to get to the brain. And of course, the more oxygen that gets through the brain, um, it actually helps to calm you down. It releases those, um, you know, those good vibrations, those good feelings to just calm down. Um, so that's pretty much the, the basis of it. And it definitely does help. Um, I know, especially in situations like when I first started um, promoting my book on Facebook, I had to eat a lot of crow um, because, <laughs> because um, uh, public situations kind of make me nervous. Um, so, you know, I had to, you know, just do my breathing meditation before. Um, I know YouTube has a lot of wonderful free um, breath, br um, breathing meditations that you can do um, even with your kids. Um, I believe Audible also has some free ones out there too that comes with, um, with whatever your subscription is too. So there's, there's a lot of cool ways to implement that and to get access to it. So as you're teaching these kids at a young age, so you're teaching them how to breathe and the importance of breath and being able to manage that that stress. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, if you start teaching children how to manage the stress and anxiety at a, at a young age, mm -hmm. how does that affect them as they mature, as they become 
you know, uh, teenagers, young adults, and then a, and eventually to adult adulthood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when they're learning it when they're younger, of course, you know, when children are smaller, they're they're essentially little sponges. So implementing that as early as you can, that's a lesson that they'll never forget. Um, so when they get into those moments where they're, you know, high stress, they'll automatically know what to do. Um, so it just basically shifts the culture from a stress, high demand, um, and in some, you know, regards, a fear-based culture just to have the children to settle down and it's already embedded in their practice. They automatically know what to do and what avenues to go to. Um, Cause I know I'm an eighties baby. So, you know, we just kind of muscle through everything and we're absolutely right. (laughs) We go to the next project and the next one and the next one um, without even taking a moment to number one, pat ourselves on the back and to number two, just to bask and enjoy in the present. Um, You know, our, our generation, we're definitely forward thinkers, which unfortunately it plays heavy on our overall health, um, now and in the future. Um, I believe one of my friends was, um, you know, making me aware of a study saying that, you know, people who don't, you know, give their selves time to just have that moment to just relax, to take a breather and who are in high stress situations. Those are actually the people who, you know, end up getting dementia and of course, you know, a, a host of other things, high blood pressure. Um, so just, you know, anxiety and having it and dealing with it and not, actually managing it and not taking the time that your body actually needs to recover because sometimes, you know, sleep is the way that you need to recover too. Sometimes you need rest. Um, Sometimes you need to cut back on caffeine. Um, You know, those are other things that actually do increase your anxiety too. Um, So, you know, we have to make sure that we take the time that we need because this affects our, in the rest of our lives. So yeah, yeah. And, the, and the health of it and the way that we're going to live it and how we're going to show up for our kids and our grandkids. So it's a beautiful lesson to teach them now. I I would agree. And I, I wish that I had known this when my kids were younger. I wish I had known this when I was younger, quite frankly. Uh, and being able to teach children at an early age definitely sets them up for success and a lifelong habit. Mm-hmm. However, uh, you know, we are we are smarter, older and better and can start now with our children. For those of us that weren't so smart uh, when we were younger, teenagers, I don't know, yesterday, uh, we're, not, we're not so smart about being able to take care of ourselves, manage our anxiety, manage our stress. And, and you especially because you work in human resources. Mm-hmm. How do you help reset an adult? You have to, it, it's not as easy. Um, I'm a firm believer in self-care. And a lot of times it comes with conversations. Um, and I even had to be more deliberate um, with scheduling myself in to my schedule um, and whatever that looked like. So if that looked like, you know, me waking up an hour earlier just so I can have some me time before I devote my time to everyone else, that's fine. Um, if that meant that um, I need to say no to something that is scheduled because I'm not feeling it and to push myself through it that day may not be what's best for me, then I do that. I just listen to my body, but you really have to be very intentional about it. Um, so, you know, you can't talk about it enough and it just has to become a daily practice. Um, and, you know, there are moments where, you know, maybe what self-care might look like for me is not going to be the same thing for you. You know, maybe, 
you know, maybe I need to go see a therapist. And that's my version of self-care. Um, you know, on a very personal note, um, I just recently got out of therapy in April. Um, and it was definitely a nine month process. <laughs> um, and it definitely felt like, okay, I'm ready to push this baby on out. Cause this is getting, uh, I'm, I'm a little sick of this, but it actually, you know, ended up being for my highest good. It's the best thing that I've ever done for myself um, was actually immersing myself in that program and to help myself step away from my broken record that I had played in my mind. Um, and to show me that, you know, it's, it's okay to have boundaries. You know, it's okay to take off the superwoman cape because our generation, we also have a superwoman complex. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to take off that cape. Um, and, Not only you know, do we have the superwoman complex, but we have the imposter, the, the imposter syndrome along with it. Mm-hmm. So we're just basically walking, talking, um, you know, beating ourselves up all the time, basically. Exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was actually speaking to uh, one of my friends today about that, you know, with the book and, you know, it's bestseller, it's doing, you know, wonderful things way out of the scope that I could have ever imagined. And, you know, although it's unbelievable, it still doesn't feel like I did it, if that makes sense. Totally Um, does. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm doing this, this is happening, but this is happening for me. And then just having to work through those emotions, like, okay, is, is this really for me? Is this true? Is this real? Is somebody going to be able to take this away from me? Am I qualified? And, you know, the answer is, is yes, because I know what I created. I love what I created. And obviously other people do too. So it's okay for me to accept the goodness that has come into my life and having that conversation with yourself too, that too is self-care, you know, when it comes to the way that we think, the way that we look at our bodies. You know, um, I have a conversation with myself in the mirror and I know I sound a little woo-woo, but- um, (laughs) Sometimes we need a little woo-woo. I mean, let's face it, sometimes we need it. Exactly. So I'll have a conversation with myself in the mirror and I'll look and I'll say, you know, Adrian, you're beautiful. You're beautiful inside and out. Okay. You know, regardless of, you know, what things might shrink or stretch or, you know, hang or sag, you know, you still- you're still beautiful inside and out. And I love and I appreciate everything about who you are now, who you were yesterday and who you're you know, going to be in the future. And, you know, that is self-care too. Um, reading a book is watching your favorite TV show. So there's several varieties of what it is. It's just sometimes you have to gear people back and saying, hey, schedule yourself in set up proper boundaries. I know with work from home, um, I've done an awesome job. I'm very proud of myself for setting up boundaries and saying, look, I start at nine and I'm getting off at five because, you know, the hours before and the hours after are dedicated to me and my daughter. Um, And I know I did not have that. I had to learn that. And I saw what not having boundaries with my job did to me. Um, So that was something that you had, I had to be very intentional about. I'm actually glad that you brought that up because, like I said, this year's been hard, weird, challenging, whatnot. And the st- statistically, the people now that are having elevated anxiety or depression that have never had it before is staggering. From Put on your HR hat right now. Mm-hmm. What do we do when we've got, or what do you do as a employee? And you're like, you're, oh my gosh, I just, I just can't, I can't handle it at all. It all. I, I just gotta, 
I got to take a break, but I don't want to lose my job. And how would you recommend or direct those that are feeling that? Because there's plenty of us out there that feel that, that know I need to take a break or else I'm going to lose it. How would you direct them as an employee to approach their employer and say, you know, I'm carrying a lot and I'm, I might break. Mm. I would first recommend, excuse me, that the employee go um, to the HR department to see if they have an EAP program. Um, So that's an employee assistance program. Um, A lot of people, for some reason, they associate it with like the suicide hotline of the company. And that's definitely not what that is. What it is, is the company has a resource um, that is there for you to, um, you know, if you're having financial stress, if there's a website associated with whoever has their, um, who is hosting their EAP program, you can go online even. um, Or if you feel like maybe you might need some counseling, you can have confidential um, conversations with counselors um, who are qualified uh, therapists. That way you can at least get that ball rolling. Um, So I always start off by saying that because a lot of times we need someone that we can talk to um, and sometimes it should not be family and friends because, or even your employer, because you just need that unbiased opinion. Um, and you need someone with a different perspective to take a look at your situation. And then also maybe they can guide you to some resources, um, in your area. Um, so that's a beautiful thing for it too. Um, if, You've exhausted that option. You know, I would say if you have any PTO or vacation time, you know, maybe see about scheduling some time off, you know, even a three or four day weekend can at least give you that moment of, you know, breather um, to just recalibrate, to spend some time with yourself, to just decompress. Um, If by chance, like through your counseling sessions, if your specific counselor feels like maybe you need um, something a little bit longer, you can approach your employer about some leave options, whether that be like um, a personal leave if they offer it um, or FMLA if you've been with the company long enough. Um, But of course, that would have to be completed by um, the medical certification would have to be completed behind that before you could get that. But those would be my suggestions. Um, a lot of times there are free resources within our communities that we don't even think of. So sometimes it's as simple as a Google search because I know, for instance, the county that I live in, um, you know, we have some free resources that we can talk to for grief counseling, for financial counseling, um, also for, you know, just the overall, you know, mental wellness. We have a, a organization here locally called Crossroads. Um, so if there are any, you know, anyone who is going through anything related to like maybe domestic violence and domestic violence doesn't always look physical, it can always be mental. Um, they have advocates on standby that can talk to you and help you through it and recommend some things too. So I definitely say look locally as well. So there, there are resources, there's help. You just have to look for it. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective, do you think that employers have become a little bit more understanding of family stresses, uh, job stresses, just stresses in general? Do you think that they've come to realize that there's a lot going on? I, I I would like to hope so. I think it just depends on who your employer is. A lot of times they offer that information and sometimes they don't notice the signs that there might be something going on. Um, and, you know, let's face it, you know, employers are people too. And I have a saying that people be people and all the time. Um, so oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> more than more, more than exactly. most. Exactly. So sometimes they um, are not 
paying enough attention to notice that there is something going on with you. And that's where you have to, you know, speak up. And so whomever you're comfortable with, whether that's your manager, your work leader, or your HR department, just go ahead and start the conversation um, and just let them know, you know, hey, I'm having a hard time. Is there something that the company offers? And just starting there. Um, because that's, that's free. It's already paid for. It's your employer, right? Um and then you also have some of those high stress environments that, you know, you may work in like my previous employer. Um, it was an incredibly high stress environment. Um, and, you know, luckily I was going through therapy while I was um, working there. But what I did notice ultimately just by, you know, going through the cognitive processing um, therapy that I was going with, that's the specific brand of therapy I was going through. Um, I realized that this employer wasn't for me. And unfortunately, I'm not, you know, advocating for anybody to leave. You make whatever decision is best for you. But that ended up being the best decision for me. Um, so honestly, when the book, <laughs> when I was in the very beginning stages of the book, getting it um, to uh, Parker Press and Co. Um, to be published, I was jobless for a month. I walked away from my job on a week's notice with no backup. Um, because I felt that that's what I needed, um, because I was really, really close to a nervous breakdown. Um, looking back on pictures now, I noticed that I'm sure other people noticed that there was something going awry because I had lost an incredible amount of weight. Um, and it was not on purpose, so it did not look cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it's just, and that anxiety too, like anxiety, it also has those physical effects on you too, where, you know, you may not, you may be able to perform well, you may be able to have the mask on for everyone for several hours a day, but your body never lies. It responds in a way when you're going through high anxiety moments. And for me, it was, I lost appetite. Um, you know, I didn't, I just, I lost appetite and I lost weight and, you know, I couldn't think as clearly as I wanted to. And it was I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I was actually going to ask you, um, you know, what are some physical signs? And, and so that's why I wanted to stop you because I think that this adds important for you to, for you to make clear because sometimes we don't recognize or acknowledge that we are under way more stress than we typically are or way more anxiety than we typically are. And we don't, we just aren't recognizing the signs. Full disclosure, when back in May, when we were in, in the clutches in the middle of all of this nonsense, uh, I was exhibiting signs of extreme anxiety and stress, didn't know it, had no idea. And it was my husband that said, you need to stop and you need to do something different because this and this and this is happening. And I had no clue. So, because I thought I was doing just fine. I thought I was, you know, you know, handling it all and keeping on trucking, but I didn't recognize the signs. So I, like I said, I wanted to slow you down for a moment and repeat the physical signs because sometimes we just don't know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't know. So it could be, you know, you could notice that your heart might be beating faster. Um, if you have an annual physical and your blood pressure is up, sometimes that's a very subtle sign, um, especially if it's up more than your from your previous time that you've gotten your blood pressure checked, you could lose weight. Um, and, you know, for instance, when I lost weight, I didn't even really notice that I had lost weight. Somebody had to tell me, 
you're losing weight. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't even notice that. Um, you know, sometimes it could be, you know, grinding at night. So, you know, that, that, that is the sign too. So like grinding your teeth in your sleep, um, you know, changing color of complexion is, is, it's, it's quite extensive. Some people even lose hair behind, um, anxiety and high levels of stress. So it just, it's one of those things where you really have to pay attention to your body. Um, you know, hopefully like similar to your situation where, you know, you have your husband who said, you know, look, baby, like, this is what's going on. You, you know, we got to fix something here. You know, hopefully you have people in your life that can help you pinpoint those things. But, um, and honestly, you know, if you're a person who is, who used to do something and maybe you don't do it as much, that can be a sign too, right? So the things that we love to do, we want to do those as often as possible. And when we're not doing those things, sometimes that's a sign too, or we don't feel like doing anything. That can be a sign as well. So coming full circle and coming back to your book, Dancing with Butterflies. So how does your character come out of anxiety because obviously we don't all want to stay in that that heightened state of anxiety children adults nobody wants to stay there but how does your character finally work her way out right so the recital day is here she's all dressed up she's ready to go on stage um and of course those feelings come back um and her mother is sitting front row uh, which is beautiful. Uh, she's her mother sitting front row and she just gives her that gentle reminder to just breathe um, because she, you know, notices that and she knows that her daughter, you know, has expressed to her that, you know, she's, you know, experiencing these feelings and she just goes out there and she rocks it. And I think that that's a huge thing too. You know, sometimes we need those subtle reminders that everything's going to be okay. You have it in your power to control this and it's okay to put one foot in front of the other in spite of whatever fear it is that you have. Um, so that's the, the, it's not necessarily said directly in the book, but that was the biggest message that I wanted to, to drive home is that regardless of, you know, how you are feeling and if you are anxious and you're in those anxious moments, you take the time that you need to, to breathe, to learn, to get in tune with your body, but still move forward. Um, because usually those highly anxious moments sometimes come when we're at the precipice of something, you know, magnificent for ourselves. And it's just, it's just one of those bodily cues where it's just like, okay, something great is about to happen. Am I good enough? Am I capable enough? You know, that type of thing. And absolutely. Yes, you are just keep breathing your way. That way you can shine your way on stage. Oh my goodness. That is, like I said, that is such beautiful imagery. And I thank you for writing this book. I I think, I know that you wrote it for the intent of children, but Mm -hmm. I think that it's something that we all can relate to because you make it so uh, easy for it to be digested and understand. So thank you for writing the book. Uh, Mm -hmm. If the audience wanted to uh, purchase a copy of this book, where can they find it? Absolutely. So if you want to purchase, you can get a copy of it on Amazon. Um, I have it on Amazon in paperback, hardback and ebook, um, <clears throat> excuse me, on ebook as well. Um, and then it's also on booksamillion.com and barnesandnoble.com. That is fantastic. So is there another book in your future? Um, yes. Yeah, so the thing that COVID has afforded me was, um, some extra time, uh, <laughs> some extra time to actually spend some really good quality time with myself, um, which is fantastic. So I actually have two other books that I've written. Um, so I'm really excited to get those going. Um, I'm just, 
you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm wanting to enjoy this moment and to give myself some grace and say, hey, okay, so this is book number one. You know, I've taken some courses that way I can learn how to self-publish next time. Um, but I'm just really trying to bask in the moment and do, you know, my first book, the the justice that it, it I feel like it deserves because, you know, essentially this is, this book is a love letter to my, my inner child. Um, so I, I want to make sure that I take care of her. Well, thank you for saying that because that will remind us all to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. So thank you for that reminder. Uh, for let you run away, you know what time it is. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. I think I'm ready. I'm ready. What you got, girl? What you got? Okay. <laughs> All right. What book have you read that you think everybody should read? Oh, whew, that's a good one. Um, I think that you should definitely read The Alchemist. Um, that is a wonderful, wonderful book. And the name of the author actually escapes me right now. Um, but it's one of my favorite, favorite books. It's a journey of the heart. Um, and just essentially the premise is to follow your heart. Um, a lot of times our mind gets in the way of what our heart truly desires. Um, so that means that our heart doesn't speak as loud, um, which that could be detrimental to our souls. Um, at least that's what I got from the book, but it's a great book. And also the four agreements, um, by that one's by Paulo Coelho, I believe. Um, and that's an awesome book, just, you know, teaching us how to be, um, you know, better people. Well, I'm, I, I, it's completely coincidental, but I happen to be reading both of those right now. Oh my gosh. Please tell me how you like them after you're done. <laughs> I will. I will. Like I said, completely coincidental. No, we did not plan this. It, I happen to be reading both of those right now. I've never, ever, ever read two books together at, at once in my life, but mm -hmm. I am now. It, it's not, it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. I mean, right now uh, I'm reading like six books at the same time. So if this were the page master and I were Macaulay, Polk, Macaulay Culkin, I think I'd be um, in a lot of trouble. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be in a lot of trouble. My books would kill me right now. Cause they're like, look, look, you can't possibly keep all this information straight, but it's in a weird way. I'm able to compartmentalize that many books at the same time and still remember the storylines. Well, uh, you know, you must have more brain capacity than I do. Cause I just can't do it. <laughs> so, Next question is, have you figured out what your superpower is yet? My, oh, that's a good question. Hmm. I would say my superpower is being um, very compassionate. Um, I like to be there for my friends and my family. Um, my and my other superpower would be being non-judgmental. Um I'm a full believer in we all, you know, go through things and things make us react to, you know, certain ways. Um, and sometimes you just need that non-judgmental friend to go to. who's just going to love on you, even if you were in the wrong and say, girl, you you know, you wouldn't write in that situation. Um, <laughs> but, but I still love you, though. <laughs> so I would say that those are my superpowers. I think those are great superpowers to have because, yeah, every once in a while you need a friend to go, uh, you screwed up. but. I still love you. What did you learn? Mm -hmm. What did you learn? And how are we going to fix it next time? Do you have an idea? You know, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. So last question. The world is changing. It's evolving. And COVID has, allowed, has afforded us a lot of opportunity. It, you know, it's, it's been hard, but in the middle of a dilemma is always opportunity. So besides your books, what opportunity 
has this dilemma afforded you? Oh, wow, Audra, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I, I, I got to keep you guys on your toes. <laughs> yes, and you did a great job. Um, time. Um, time is probably the biggest thing that I needed that I didn't know that I needed because I thought I had enough of it, if that makes sense. Um, I am incredibly active in my community. I'm incredibly active in my church. Um, so pre-COVID, I was on two praise teams, two choirs. I was also doing the Unity Day Choir. And then I was serving with um, a junior women's club here locally. And then I had my daughter in a lot of stuff too. Um, so I was always ripping and running. Um, so to get that hard stop where we all had to go sit in our rooms and learn whatever lesson we had to learn, um, that was incredibly refreshing. That time is what I needed more than anything. Um, and I'm so grateful for it. I have said it many times on the, on this show that COVID has been a gift. Uh, it hasn't always felt like one, but it, by the time we get on the other side of it, I, I know that more people will agree with me. Absolutely. Especially, you know, when you just find that thing that it is that you needed to like clean up. Um, because, you know, when you're at home and everybody else is too, you know, you might be able to connect with people, but then you also have that extra time to sit with yourself and to ask yourself those hard questions. At least I do, um, ask myself those hard questions. I'll journal about it and just kind of work my way through some of the thoughts that are going through my head, or I'll just write, or I'll just walk around here and dance horribly and sing very loudly. Um, (laughs) you know, so Mm -hmm. I had more time to do more of that. So that was nice. Well, I always take the opportunity to dance pretty much anywhere. I mean, if you guys listen to my interview about me, I will dance anywhere. And sometimes you just need to dance it out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I love the electric slide. That was actually one of my favorite songs growing up. (laughs) Favorite songs growing up. So kudos to you for that being your jam of jams. Yes, it it is. It is my jam of jams. It definitely is. (laughs) So. Before I, I I let you go for the afternoon, uh, one last statement to the audience that you can leave them with. Okay, um, I'm definitely going to say with this with these strange and unusual, unusual times that we're in. Um, number one, spend time with your family. If you're you know not doing it, try to reconnect with the ones that maybe maybe have lost touch with friends included. Um, I would even say you know, just give yourself some grace. You know, I know that things are different. I know that things are hard. Um, but as much grace as we give to others, we also have to give that to ourselves. So I would like to leave that message with everyone. Thank you. Thank Thank, That is an amazing reminder. One that we probably need to remind ourselves every single day. Uh, and, and Adrian, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me. I, very much appreciate your time and your gift. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. I really appreciate it. (laughs) And I thank you all for listening and we'll see you again next time. And that's a wrap. Thank you all so much for being here. I can never give you enough gratitude because without all of you, none of this is possible. I am still always in awe that my guests are volunteering to be so bold in their vulnerability. So thank you for continuing to do that. 
And to my audience, audience isn't the right word to describe you. So to you, I thank you. You are a community. So thank you for being a part of this community. And thank you for helping to nurture it and make it grow. And of course, you know, I have this incredible team behind me that helps me produce this every single week. For Savannah, Alan, Jessica, Tina, Tisha, and my son, Gavin, thank you so much for believing in me, believing in my mission, and continuing to help grow the Women in the Arena podcast. Thank you all so much for being here, and we'll see you next week. so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me, and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.